This is the Silver City Church Podcast. Our prayer is you are edified by this content and that it refines your life in Christ. Visit us at silvercityky.com. From there, you can connect with us on social media, view our location and service time, and download our mobile app to stay all the more connected with us. If this content has been beneficial to you, please share it and give this show a high rating so more may hear the gospel of Christ. May you see God's will be done and kingdom come in your life. Titus, and as we come to it this morning, I want to give a, a quick recap because we've got uh, some that have not have been out with sickness and those types of things. I want to give us a quick recap so that we're all on the same page and so that there is not some form of, of misunderstanding this morning. Uh, last week, we first studied the idea of the church being symbolized as the household of God and recognized that in every household, there are roles and there are rules. Rules are lived out in roles. Paul's painting this picture that the church, as God's household, is made up of various roles, and these role members have expectations. Now, this isn't hard for us to grasp, given that our own homes whether they're broken, whether they're stable, whether they're rocky, whether they're on the solid rock of Christ, they have rules and they have role expectations. I pray that yours does. So given that this is God's household that we're talking about in Titus 2 right here this morning and last week as well, what is the basis for those rules, these rules and expectations? Is it just outside of ourselves, just something random? No, this is where Titus 2, 11 through 15 came in, the, the end of Titus. And we're going to read it again here in a minute. Before you can understand where you fit into the household of God, you need to make sure you're actually in the household of God. Titus 2, 11 through 15 is this small scale gospel primer that basically says everything that you just read before this in Titus 2 Portraits of godly men, women, households, is because the gospel has taken root in you. He has saved his people to be different, to follow his precepts for all of life, and to live in such a way that their words, their character, their families, all of these things, give evangelical witness to the gospel. We then use Titus 2, 11 through 15 to, to look at it as a lens, a kind of like a a pair of glasses we put on and looked at it, at the men. We beat up on the men last week a little bit. If you want to go back and listen to that, you can do that, and I'll show you where to do that at the end. I had many, many guys reach out to me over the past week and say, man, you said some pretty rough stuff, and at first I was a little frustrated, but you're right. That's not my opinion. This is just the Word of God. Now, as I said last week, hard conversations from the Scriptures are are loving forms of discipline. That's Proverbs 1.8. Hard sayings from Scripture are loving forms of discipline. This is the rod and staff that we just sang about. Amen? Two people think that's great. It needs to be everyone. This is the rod and the staff that comforts us and disciplines us. Ladies, I said this last week, you get your own exhortation this week, and it's going to be hard as well. Why? Why are we having hard conversations like this? Why are we not just having like the puffy, like everybody be happy, all these things, kind of sermons along the way to get things going because of this. Given that Silver City is a tender shoot in the eyes of her father, we have to make sure there is stability 
and that there is health and that there are proper nutrients, etc., from the get-go to see this plant, this church plant, root deep and grow high. I want to give you a, a thought experiment this morning of what we're doing here, why we're doing this. Think of a naive first-time gardener. I will admit to you, I have been a naive first-time gardener. This year, right, Morgan, can you say amen? Right? I'm going to use the third person here to not talk about myself. He goes out and sows the seed. It comes forth. Oh, we've got pepper plants. Oh, man, that's okra popping out. Awesome, this is great. And he's happy. He has succeeded in horticulture. He has, yes, planted and watered, and there's, there's stuff popping up. Or so he thinks. Or so he thinks. He's elated to see things springing up out of the ground, and so he just lets the crops grow, right? Sooner rather than later, he's going to go out and see that they are unhealthy because they are feral and wild and festering with disease. He thought that gardening was just planting and letting nature take its course to produce effortless harvest. Harvest, that doesn't come naturally. Nature taking its course, given that it is too affected by the fall, Romans 8, 22, it's thorns and thistles, it's overgrowth, it's wild plants. This gardener has been lazy and foolish because he's been naive. If only he would have taken preemptive measures, proper soil, proper water, proper stakes, cages, supports, pruning, doing this hard work. That's what Titus 2 is all about for us. That's exactly what we have before us, and it's living out in front of us. It's preemptive measures in a church plant. So may God give the growth by planting and watering and pruning and everything because it's not about us, it's about him. Amen? Would you turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2 this morning? Again, I'm going to read the entire uh, chapter in context. It's only 15 verses so that we get that lens at the end of Titus 2 of which we peer through to talk about godly women this morning. Hear the living word of God for you. Titus chapter 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, Sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, 
who are zealous for good works, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Thus says the living word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would bless this time. Would you open our eyes and our hearts to receive the implanted word? Would you give us focus, God? Let us not hear the crying of a child and think that that is something that is terrible. That is an opportunity to raise another warrior for your kingdom and let us do that as a family. God, thank you that we have the sound of children in this church because they are a blessing from you because all children grow up into mature adults just as we are doing that. God, would we grow up into the head who is Jesus Christ, all of us. Let us have open hearts and open ears. Would we not uh, have hearts that are abrasive and reactory, but hearts that hear your word this morning and that they digest them and have wisdom about them. God, we ask that you would guide us by the same Holy Spirit who breathed out the very scriptures that we seek to examine. And all of God's people said, amen. All right, now I, I've read Titus 2 in context again this morning, so we get that full scope. We see what's going on. We see this household code. That's a tongue twister. Household code. And this is what we see. Remember, healthy, sound doctrine, healthy teaching about God is, is what Titus is to exhort the Cretan churches with. And what is that healthy teaching? It's the trustworthy word as taught. And what is the healthy, trustworthy word as taught? Verses 11 through 15 of Titus 2. The grace of God appearing in Christ, bringing salvation for men, for women, for young, for old, for slave, for free. And this salvation trains us in holiness and righteousness. God saves his people, forgiving them of their sins in Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, to be like Christ alone. We are taught salvation is an act of knowing and doing something with that knowledge. All of God's people are called to imitate Christ and to be not unruly children in his household. Think about this. If the ideal elder in Titus 1 is to have a household that includes well-behaved children who are not insubordinate, remember that means rebellious, don't you think God's household is to be just the same since we are God's children now through the adoption we have in Christ, 1 John 3? Of course, of course. So we dealt with male children last week, <laughs> right? Now this week we turn to the only gender that we have left. Because there's only two. Female. We're going to talk about you ladies this morning. Ladies, young and old, married, single, I want to give you a prefatory note of assurance of love, okay? There are going to be some topics in the text this morning that may feel abrasive. They may entice you towards the, the feeling of thinking that you're failing. You may feel like that mean old pastor just, you don't live up to his expectations and you just feel like everything's wrong and you feel like when he preaches about household stuff, this is feedback, you can't do it, you feel that you can't measure up. Ladies, I need you to hear me. Every lady, hear me say this in love, okay? I'm not saying this with a mean tone, I say this with a, a smile on my face. 
I, I want to talk to you like I would my own daughter, okay? This morning, I don't want you to think with your emotions. I just feel like, no, no, no. Alistair Begg, great preacher, is really famous for saying this. Don't tell me what you feel, tell me what you know. I want you to hear the word of God this morning and not think with your emotions. And that's extraordinarily difficult for women because this is the primary avenue for how you beautiful ladies process things. You are meant to be this way. This is how God has designed you. I'm not speaking to you in a degrading way. I'm not going to be a bruiser like I was with the men last week because men fight and they give each other black eyes and they spit each other and they bite each other and then five minutes later they go have a meal together and go hunting or something, right? This is what guys do. I know you ladies are not like that. I know this because of my own children. I, I can't talk to Nova the same way I do Atlas. I can say the same thing to both of them, but I have to watch my tone and I have to watch my firmness with my daughter. And I want to speak to you today like you are my daughter. My mother, if you were older, I want you to process things with knowledge before you process them with emotion. Ladies, I need you to have a clear mind this morning. Right? Don't shut me out, and certainly not the scriptures. I know some of this is going to be emotional, but I need you to think before you react. Thinking about the text this morning, we have to keep in mind, much of what Paul is writing to Titus is polemic, which just means it's fighting against that false teaching culture that's cropping up in Crete. So the older men were being taught to just be curmudgeons, and the young men were being taught to be pugnacious. You know, you're old, you put your time in, don't worry, don't, you do whatever you want. And young men, don't let anybody disregard you. You go up in there and you take charge. The women were being taught to be licentious, floozies, to just have fun, because it was probably to have fun with the false teachers if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yet, it should be apparent, Crete, you know, those, those liars and those evil beasts and those lazy gluttons, Crete is this microcosm, this little ant farm of all of human history. We deal with now of being evil beasts and liars and lazy gluttons. We lie to ourselves and others through social media. We're evil beasts who rip one another to shreds, and certainly our children. And we're lazy gluttons because we think the government should take care of us or because we live in the most luxurious age of all time. The issues at Crete are our issues because they're timeless sin issues that every human faces. So what do we do about it? Well, we have the trustworthy word that teaches us to be like the perfect elder, our elder, Jesus. Remember also that young men become older men, so what is said for older men is also said for younger men. The same goes for ladies. Whatever is said for the older ladies, you younger ladies and girls, you're going to be an older lady one day. I start not here, or I start here not because I'm confused about gender. I'm not. There are only two, male and female, but because of how verse 3 starts. Older men be like this. Listen at verse 3. Likewise, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. That single word right there, likewise, it means the same. 
Think of likewise as a big plus sign right here. A big plus sign. The women of the house of God don't get their own like separate code of conduct. They get the same as the men, and yet it's expanded to give clarification about some practicalities. Right? All of God's people are called to the same standard. There's no first or second rate citizens in God's kingdom. Galatians 3, 28. Ladies, this is a beautiful thing that you have an equal standard. This is the same thing that you had this morning before you as the men, but it's in reverse. What is true for women here in principle, guys, it's also true for you. So, guys, you get addressed again this morning, but I'm going to be a little bit more gentle with you throughout this. Right? Likewise, in addition to all of that plus, so what's the all that? Sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, healthy in faith, in love, in steadfastness. Ladies, you are called to this same standard because all of these standards are perfectly embodied in Christ Jesus, who is the perfect reflection of God. All of us are called to emulate Christ because he is our example, the second Adam, of what it means to properly reflect God being God's image bearers. Colossians 2, 8 through 11. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Amen. The whole fullness of God is seen in Jesus. This world, this world will teach us captivating philosophies like first, second, and third wave feminism. It will teach us empty deceit, like you need to garner attention from people. It will teach you human tradition, like humanity is the center of the universe, and whatever feels good, do that. It will take you captive to elemental spirits, like good vibes and coexist. But that is not our standard. Our standard is not the fallen world, but the risen redeemer of that world, God himself in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Amen? So ladies, likewise, plus. I'm not going to rehash everything from last week, but I want you to think about these things. Ladies, are you level-headed? Are you level-headed? Or do you think way too much with your emotions and have irrational thoughts? Do you have suspicion for no reason? Jumping to conclusions. You consume things that warp your thinking and make you intoxicated. Is it substances? Is it food? Or is it screens? Pictures of women who are fake telling you to be fake, causing you to think only of how you aren't like some other fallen bimbo with implants. Ladies, that's not your standard. It is the word of God. And that fake person on Instagram has an eating disorder. And they're selling you sin. She is the woman folly of Proverbs 9, and you need to be the opposite of her, the woman wisdom of Proverbs 9. Take every thought captive, subject it unto Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 
Are you doing this? Are you level-headed? Are you sober-minded? Ladies, are you respectable? Do you present yourself in a manner that is worthy of respect? How you dress, how you speak, your health. You ladies who are married, do you fall into that same mentality of like uh, the, the, the slob dad? Well, I, I'm married, so he stuck with me. That's not respectable. It's not respectable. You're to be a crown that he delights to wear, Proverbs 12, 4. Not a contentious wife that makes him want to live on the roof of the house just to get away from you, Proverbs 21, 9. Are you dignified in your discourse? On Do you post and share things that you know that you shouldn't? Oh, well, no, Pastor, I don't do that. I watch my language. Okay, what about questionable page names? Do you put up provocative images of yourself and wonder why your husband is distant from you? Are you a constant nagger like a dripping roof that can't be fixed? Proverbs 27, 15. Ladies, do you complain about everything? Search your heart this morning. Do you just not care about anything? Do you blow the budget? Do you just swipe the plastic and say, he'll pay for it, I deserve it? Are you self-centered thinking everything is about you and you being pampered and you being in control? Are you a control freak? Micromanaging everyone in your household like an ungodly helicopter parent and a snowplow spouse. Do you know what you believe, ladies? Dear sisters in Christ, do you know what you believe? Do you have these silly little rules that sound biblical but aren't, and that's your, your standard and your canon for everything? If it contains a kiss scene longer than three seconds, I won't watch it. I'll boycott it. I'll burn that place down. I'll dox those people. If it contains any alcohol in it, even if it's like bourbon whipped sweet potatoes, it's a sin. I'm not going to put that in my body. If it's not organic, sorry, thanks for inviting us over, but all of these sound pious. And I say that last one as, as a little jab and a little joke. But there are people who are like that, that will refuse hospitality because it just doesn't fit their standard. These are all commandments of men, and in your case, it's a commandment of woman. They sound holy, but they're not. Ladies, do you know your Bible? Do you know your Bible? Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? Do you study it? Do you pray regularly? Do you train your children or you older ladies? Do you train your grandchildren or any child that's in your care? Ladies, I want you to think about this for a minute. Look around you. You've heard our kids shout like the walls of Jericho were coming down this morning. And some of you don't have grandkids. Some of you don't have kids in the house. But guess what? You have kids in this house. Be a godly influence for them. Be that person. Be that, that spiritual grandparent that says, hey, you all, can I watch your kids or come over so you all can just do stuff together, mom and dad? You can do this. Train them up in the way that they should go so that they would fear the Lord and you would teach them to wear that fear and knowledge of the Lord like it was a crown or a necklace, Proverbs 1. Ladies, do you love God? Do you love your family? Do you love your husband, those that you are married? Do you love your kids? What about your neighbor that's loud? 
What about your neighbor that this past Monday wouldn't stop blaring Halloween music until 3 in the morning? Do you love him? What about that Christian who goes to your church that you disagree with politically? Do you love them? Or they disagree with you on education, or you disagree about food, or you disagree about things that you shouldn't even be disagreeing about because it's silly stuff that's frivolous. Do you love them? Ladies, are you dependable? Are you a support to your family or an anchor that drags them down into the coral reef to crash the ship? Are you trustworthy? Can your family count on you for something as simple as a hot meal? Or is it because you've been so lazy and caught up with TV or social media or ripping and running that you're like, just get DQ on the way home, honey? Or here, here's a microwave meal. Do you, do you say you'll do things and then not do them? Yes, honey, I'll, I'll put the, the clothes up today. And that was last Monday. Are you unstable, like a wind-tossed person, James 1, looking for the next fad to give you your identity, or are you anchored in the steadfast one who makes you steadfast, Christ Jesus? Likewise, all that in a cup of soup. Plus, you ladies are called to the same standard because the standard for each member of God's household is not what they think they should be. It is God who gives him gives us the standard. It's not CNN. It's not Fox News. It's not Instagram. It's not that page you like. It's not any of that. It is God's infallible word. Likewise, verse 3, older women, all women, but this applies to all again, reverent in behavior. The word reverent here is only used in scripture one time, and it's right here. It means to be fit for holiness, or as one lexicon puts it, like uh, that's a dictionary that explains what words are. It means this, befitting a sacred person. To be reverent in behavior means that you have a demeanor that is befitting of a sacred person. Ladies, this is priestly language. This is priestly language that reminds us of the Levites in the Old Testament. The Levites were the priests in the tabernacle and also in the, the temple. And they were set apart for God, by God. They dressed, they walked, they spoke, they ate, they lived completely different from the rest of the Israelites. Not because there was anything wrong with them, but because they had been set apart for a special task that only they could fulfill. Go read Exodus 28, you'll see what I'm talking about. So guess what that means for you if this is priestly language? You are to be set apart to be different from those around you. Dear Christian sisters, hear me. I'm not talking about you being set apart in a face tattoo like the rest of the world's telling you is normal right now. You are called to be, uh, by God, to be a priestess unto him, offering up your entire life, your behavior, how you live in every aspect as a spiritual sacrifice and worship unto God, Romans 12. You are to be holy in your behavior. How do you know what it means to be holy? You have to know the standard of holiness, which is what? 
revealed in his trustworthy word is taught the Bible, your example, and it's seen in your example, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, our beloved Savior. Behavior does not mean merely your attitude. Like, hey, we got to change your behavior. Bubby's here today, so I get, you, gotta, you need an attitude adjuster, right? That was your mud truck back in the day. No, no, no. It's not just about attitude. No, no, no. It means your entire life. All of it. Which means, guys, the principle also applies for you. This is calling you to godliness. We keep saying this over and over and over and over. And when Scripture speaks over and over, you need to listen. We're called to godliness. Every area, and I really mean that. I don't just mean how you put on something different and come to church on Sundays and you act like everything's fine. I mean every area of life. Every area of your life, ladies, is to be reverent. It is to be sacred. Tone that you take with your kids, the tone that you take with your husband or your parents is to be gentle, seasoned with salt, loving, gracious, even in hard conversations so that the word of God may not be reviled. The priests in the tabernacle, they had to keep watch over their thoughts and their tongues lest they profane the name of God, Leviticus 19.12. So are you, ladies, are you doing that? Do you lash out? Do you post the first thing that comes to your mind on social media? Do you post things just to get attention? Do you have speech like a sailor? Or of an ignorant teenager? The priests, you're called to this standard. They also had special garments. They had special tunics and robes and a special turban and a breastplate and all this stuff. They physically dressed different. Oh no, he's going there in it. Yep, I am. You need to be modest. You need to be modest. You are called to have discernment on what modesty means in a culture that you live in. That doesn't mean that you go, well, it's all cultural. This is modest. Yeah, God's also given you common sense to know better that that's not. It blows my mind that we have Christian women who think a pastor telling them that they're dressed immodestly is the end of the world and it's, it's his fault for noticing her. This is the same logic of the transgender revolution and those wackos, right? If you wear skimpy clothing... And yes, that includes leggings that show off your butt. You claim it's for comfort, but it's really to get attention. If someone doesn't notice you because you've dressed this way, or you think someone hasn't noticed you in Kroger as you strutted up and down the aisles, right? You boo-hoo on social media and to your friends about how you just don't feel pretty that day. Ladies, come on, you know better than this. You know better than this. It's the whole idea of don't look at me while you look at me. If you notice, then how dare you notice, right? It's, this is what I call the, the face tattoo paradox. What are we talking about? Why are you looking at it? Don't notice why you notice. Ladies, I say this in love. Your standard of holiness and modesty is in the Bible. Does that mean you can only wear dresses covered from head to toe like you're in like some Islamic jihad? No. Are pants illegal? No. But think about this. What you're wearing... Would you want to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day with that on? And don't get pious of like, well, we go into the world naked and we... No, no, no. No. 
If you walked into the courthouse right now and Jesus was a judge, would you want to stand before him like that? I'm not saying anyone's immodest this morning. I'm getting you to think. To dress like a harlot and claim holiness is what the foolish bride of Israel did in Ezekiel 16, and that ended in her destruction. You take something that only your husband, if you're married, should see, which is holy, and you give it to every passerby. Ouch. Modesty also means you dress like a woman. There's no such thing as a gender binary. There's no difference between men and women. Radical Christian modesty right now in 2022 means actually dressing in a way that's overtly feminine. And it's probably going to look like something from 1850. If you only wear sweatpants and t-shirts, you want some controversy? That's immodest. Well, but I'm covering my body, right? You can be immodest without showing your body off, ladies. You can be immodest by dressing like a man. This is honestly an issue more with the, the younger ladies and girls than the older ones, but I see teenage girls all the time when I go to Kroger or Walmart, if God forbid I have to go to that place, and they're walking around in their comic book t-shirts and jeans and skater shoes and all these things, and they're baggy and they just kill the fact that they're feminine. You have no idea if they're a boy or a girl. The way that they cut their hair, it's a bob cut shaved off. Who are you? You look like some weirdo from Star Trek. It's, right? it's good to be a woman. I'll coin that. It's good to be a man. It's good to be a woman. Ladies, you need to let the world see that you are a woman in a godly way. You are called to beautify yourself because you are the beauty, the glory of man. There's a reason why we don't speak of men as beautiful. Oh, man. I, bro. You look beautiful today. Okay. Go back in the closet. You say handsome. We don't see anything in, in the Bible. Saul, he was beautiful. No, he was handsome. He was rugged. He was tall. Ladies, I want you to hear 1 Peter 3-4. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Do you hear that? Do you hear what Peter is saying right here? Because I, I promise you, you, you might not. Peter is not saying, do not seek to beautify yourself in a godly way. He is saying, do it, but with the right heart and the right purpose and not to get attention. Modesty is not just a feminine issue. That means you need to dress like a man. Go tell that to Harry Styles and Brad Pitt with their skirts. You need to watch what you show off on your body too. Uh-oh, that's controversial. Stop, stop mowing the yard with your shirt off. That's immodest. I don't care how hot it is. You need to think about what you post on social media. And I'm about to rip on a group of guys, but it's because I was one of them. You need to stop posting your gym bro flex up thing because if you're married, all you're doing is giving your wife insecurities. While that 40-year-old cougar behind you on the treadmill watches you do that. 
Post a picture of you and your wife who you think is smoking hot. Why do you think she has insecurities and suspicions? It's because you're trying to flex up and let everybody look at you. That is your gold jewelry and your braiding of hair. That is not a, a modest heart. Be healthy. Work out. Stop taking pictures of yourself. That's, that's kind of silly. Stop it. Verse 3, moving on. Paul gives a few examples of reverent behavior. Examples that we apparently see are issues in the church at Crete, which means that women of all time have these issues. Don't be a slanderer, ladies. Don't be a slanderer. That word slanderer here comes from the same Greek word where we get the word devil, diabolos. What does it mean to be a slanderer? To be like the devil. John 8, 44. Jesus says when Satan lies, he speaks out of his native tongue. Now, whose child are you, ladies? Are you a child of God or a child of the devil? Which household do you belong to? Do you lie? Well, of course not. That's breaking one of those lovely ten commandment things that I've got hanging up in my wallet I bought from Hobby Lobby. No, you can lie by exaggerating when you tell a story about how your day was. Hi, honey, how was your day? I had to fold your underwear. Or I had to go to the store and they were out of the non-GMO, extra organic, super de duper healthy olive oil. <laughs> and I had to buy Bertoli. <laughs> Do you post the perfect angled picture on Instagram that makes you look like your life is perfect and have this fake, plastic, Barbie social media life that is nothing like what you live? You know what I'm talking about, ladies. All right, listen, let's liven up. Let's laugh at ourselves because if we don't laugh at ourselves and have some, some humor, we're going to get discouraged. Psalm 2, why do the heathen nations rage and the foolish people plot in vain? We're going to start singing that soon. That's the, the way the psalm ends is it's Jesus sitting on a throne in heaven and he laughs like he's mocking the, the raging nations because they're like, we're going to just overthrow God. And he goes, okay, that's cute. We need to do that with ourselves because we're dealing with sin. Like, why do we do this? That's kind of silly. All right, let me give you a picture of what I'm talking about, ladies. Look at me and smile. It's going to be fine. God's going to work a really great miracle in your life. And I mean this. This is not facetious. And he's going to sanctify you if you hold firm to the trustworthy word and do it with a great, joyful attitude. Here's the picture. Your Bible is open. It's on the coffee table. And it's got a highlighter. And it's flipped open to, I don't know, John. It's all about that section where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and you've got that cup of, you can actually see the steam in the picture of that pumpkin spice latte because you're obviously, you know. And the picture is on the table with that Bible and the highlighter and it's like this. Here's the angle. And you can see your, your perfectly painted toenails all in one picture. And the caption is this. And you thought about it for 15 minutes. No, and then getting on Pinterest and trying to find an inspirational thing, and this is what you come up with. Bread of life, brew for the day. And then after you've chosen that perfect filter for another 15 minutes, 
you read a single verse from John there and you have no idea who Nicodemus is. And then you close your up your Bible and then you go about your day. Ladies, that's a lie. You are acting like you're holy. You are the woman of Proverbs 9 who says, oh, hey there, young guy. Don't you see I'm dressed kind of modestly here? I actually had to go to the temple today and, and offer sacrifice. I love the Lord. You want to spend the night with me? That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. Staging a picture for the purpose of creating some narrative about yourself as a lie. That's a slander. That is acting like Satan who comes as an angel of light. Comes in a way that he is not. No one ever posts the mundane things or fights. Guys, we heard this last night, didn't we? Post me a picture of you standing in aisle two after your kid dumped a whole box of cereal and is screaming. Do that. There's your challenge. There's a social media challenge this week. Post me a video of you and your husband arguing about where to go to eat. And it goes like this. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Well, what, about, what about cattlemen? No, no, no. You know how it goes. Right? Post me something like that. I get it. People want to see the highlights. But some of you need to take the opposite approach, actually. Soberly, I mean this. Some of you... Ladies need to take the opposite approach and actually post some highlights instead of using social media as your free therapist's office. Oh, it's so terrible. Do you talk about other people behind their back? Do you talk about other women, other Christian women, other Christian men? Anybody? Do you know that the tongue is a fire set on, set ablaze by the fire of hell itself? James 3. You want to burn your household down? Start talking about other people behind their back. Because if you do that, you'll not only burn your household down, ladies, you'll burn down that household too. You're also not to be slaves to too much wine. Apparently the women in Crete were sloppy drunk. Oh, well, that's not me. I don't even drink. Okay, that's, that's fine. But let's check a couple things real quick. Number one, notice it says slaves to, to much wine. Paul's not saying that there is something intrinsically wrong with alcohol. It's not the thing itself that is bad. Right? It's how you use it. Guns aren't bad. It's the person behind the trigger that could potentially be bad. The bottle of wine isn't bad. It's the, the sinful glutton behind it who has no self-control. The computer is not bad. It's the lustful eye who wants to fill the body with pornography that makes it bad. You know this to be true. It's not the vehicle that runs over somebody. It's the dummy behind it who wants to mow down a Christmas parade because he thinks white people are, are devils. You may not be a drunkard, but you may be chained to your phone because you can't go three seconds without wipe, you know, whipping it out of your pocket and refreshing feeds and you don't even, you do the thing where you just wiggle the screen back and forth to look at the time and you have no idea why you're doing it. You can be chained to food. You can be a slave to food. Being a, a drunk and being a glutton are the same exact thing, aren't they? Being a drunk and being a glutton are the same thing. You realize that, right? One has to do with excessive and improper consumption of, of some sort of liquid that can cause you to black out and be inebriated, and the other is consuming a substance too much of at the wrong time that will make you unhealthy. Eating a cheeseburger and fries and a shake and feeling overly full doesn't make you a glutton one time. It's doing it all the time. Are you a slave to attention, ladies? Ladies, are you a slave to attention? Do you always have some sort of drama going on and make molehills into mountains just to get attention? That's actually a form of, of, of harlotry, of prostitution. 
In Proverbs, the adulterous woman is portrayed often as the loud woman. Proverbs 9, 13, the woman folly is loud. She is seductive. She, she knows nothing. This means she's always seeking attention, and she ends up being portrayed as a prostitute. Is this you? Ladies, are you sucking the life out of any situation to play the victim or bring attention to yourself? And you can do this with your own husband. Right? You know what this is. We are called, men and women, to be slaves of Christ. Holy. None of this is holy. This is worship of creature, self, rather than creator. Romans 1, and enticing others to bow down to the false idol of you along the way. So what is holy? What are some, excuse me, what are some practical holy ways for a woman of God to live her life? Godly women are to teach other women to be godly and what is good. Well, guess what? This means women get to teach. Not from the pulpit. Not from the pulpit. Godly women are to teach what is good. Paul gives an example, Titus 2.4. So train the young women to love their husbands and children. The word train here in the original language is the actual verb form of self-control. Every single person in God's household is called to have self-control. Have you noticed? Young women, slaves, masters, all of us. Why do you think that is? Because lack of self-control is the seedbed of idolatry, and idolatry is the root of all sin. Ladies, are you living out this example? Are there other women in your life that you can pour into with something that you're good at? Think about everything I've said so far. Young women, are you aware of some of these sinful tendencies that maybe you have? Like you're just a destructo mode on social media all the time. Or maybe your health. Maybe you don't know how to cook anything because no one ever taught you. Well, I don't know how to read the Bible, Zach. Well, that's okay. God is setting up generational covenantal discipleship right here in Titus. And he's doing it with you this morning. Find a trustworthy, godly, older lady or woman who is ahead of you in the Lord, even if she is younger, because age doesn't always mean wisdom, and ask her to teach you and help you. It's that easy. If she is a true godly woman, you know what she'll say? I, I don't have time for that. She'll say, yeah, we'll make time. You want to learn how to make pie crust? Come to the Hill household next week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Guys, guess what that means? The principle is same for you. We all need mentors and need to be mentoring someone. First and foremost, our family, then our church family, and then our friends. Let me give you a really tangible example as we close. I wanted to learn how to hunt. I don't know anything about hunting. So you know who I asked? Somebody that's really good at hunting and has a godly brother that I could trust, Jacob Murphy. And you know what? He took me to the woods. He taught me some things. So don't do that. Look for this. Make sure you hear it here. And guess what? I got to kill a deer the very first time I ever went on a hunt. You know why? Is it because I'm so awesome? No, it's because I had a great mentor and a great brother. Pass things on. The modern church thinks discipleship is this pragmatic, come take a, 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 a course after, after church, we'll feed you spaghetti, and voila, you're discipled now. No, that's perverse. Discipleship is generational thinking. It's passing on the fear and the knowledge of the Lord and how to apply that fear and knowledge of him to every area of life from one person to another in God's household. As God's household, we, we teach one another, given that's the design that we are to build one another up in love, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So what are some practical ways you ladies can be taught self-control? How can you ladies help build up God's house? 
by building your own. What is fascinating about Paul's exhortation here is the older women, the seasoned women, teaching the younger one, the Greek literally reads like this, to be husband and children lovers. Notice something here. We have an order just as there's an order in the household of the ideal elder. Ladies, I know you're tired. I know it's a longer sermon, but bear with me. This is pertinent for life. Guys, too, if you're married, I want you to hear me. You cannot love your children more than you love your spouse. We have it wrong in our culture. We love children. We adore them. But you cannot love your husband less or your wife less than you love your children. This is out of order. You are one flesh. You loving your children more than your spouse means you hate your flesh. Many of our households are decrepit because the love of children, which is good and right, is above the mutual love of the father and the mother. Children are meant to be uh, you know, arrows that we shape and launch into the enemy's camp. They're not meant to be arrows that we launch at one another. Ladies, you must love your husbands. Paul gives the reverse command of this to men in Ephesians 5, telling men to love their wives as Christ loved the church. You who are married, you must love one another. If you're not married, if you're divorced or you're a widower, you have family, love them. Love them. And let me say this, love is not mere physical attraction. Love is not this infatuation like you're obsessed with one another. Love is growing in holiness together, dying to self, sacrificing for one another, and living within the proper boundaries that God has laid out for his people. Ladies, there are going to be moments when things are rough, where you are in a dark night of the soul, or your family, and it could just simply be age and an existential midlife crisis where you are not going to want to love your husband or your kids. So in those seasons, you need another Christian woman who has walked before you to come alongside you and teach you how to get through it. The same goes for children. All parents, moms and dads, you need to hear me because there's a lot in here today. You need to be taught to love your children because the world today is teaching you to hate them. It's teaching you to get frustrated when they make a little cry. Oh gosh, it's so annoying. No, it's a moment to discipline. It's grow them in the fear of the Lord. Gosh, why do you want to have more than two kids, you freak? I don't know, because the Bible says that they're blessings from God and not demons. Psalm 127.3. Oh, you need time to yourself, moms. You do all that hard work of getting them to four, and then old Uncle Sam will take care of them. You just drop them off at school. No, your children are blessings from God. They're gifts given to you to steward, to train. And it's hard work, but it's the most rewarding work that you will ever have. You must love them. Ladies, you're called to be pure. You're called to be pure. In the context you're given, it follows loving husbands and children. It means that you're faithful to your family. Do that. It's not a ring that you put on. It's being faithful to your family. You're called to be good home workers. The, the adjective kind here can be taken like as a standalone that you need to be kind or as modifying working at home. I like the latter better. So, you need to be kind, good workers at the home. Ladies, you're called to build and manage your home. Proverbs 14.1 says this, The wisest of women builds her house, but, uh, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Do not listen to the empty philosophies that tell you to you know, go get the highest paying job that you can have so you can get some sort of career and neglect your home and just act like it's a place to sleep. I've heard pastors say that. We're never home. It's just a place to sleep because we're always going here or there and we both work all these things. That is not a home. That is a rented shelter. Right? You work towards 
making your home productive. You must, it's your call. 1 Timothy uh, 2.15 says this, talking about women, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness and self-control. Does that mean that having kids saves you? No. What Paul's teaching here is when Christian women step into their God-given roles as mothers and wives and homemakers, that they are living out the reversing of the curse in the garden. They are living out what God made them to do. Make your home productive. If you don't know how, guess what? Ask someone that has a productive home. If you don't know somebody, come ask me. I'll get you in touch with a lady that's older or is seasoned can help you. Make your home beautiful. Why? Because man was made to glorify God, and woman was to help man in that process. Think back to the garden. Adam was told to work the ground, to make it productive. Eve was to be his helper. We have this gorgeous picture. Adam was going through the garden. Think about this, picking tomatoes and herbs and spices and peppers and fruit with no sweat because there was no curse. And he brings it to Eve and she takes these things and mixes them together to make a delicious dish which would be glorifying to God because she's glorifying her husband's work. She takes what he has done and makes it even better. Ladies, do, do not trade your curse with him. The curse given by God in Genesis 3 contains the first gospel message, the promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, which is fulfilled in Christ Jesus upon the cross. The man was cursed to work the ground with now thorns and thistles, with sweat, and you were cursed with hard labor to bring life into the world and maintain it. The curse of childbearing brings salvation because it is pointing forward to the salvific work of the new birth in Christ who took on flesh and was born of a woman, Galatians 4. You, you want to see transgenderism uncovered? See a woman who has herself and see a man who stays home to be stay-at-home dad. Men, women, all of you, we must realize God has given us an order to things. It does not look like the world because we are not of this world. We are his people, and we do not want the word to be reviled, so we must watch how we live. Does that mean that women are forbidden to work? No. Proverbs 31, woman, she goes out and she benefits her household. She doesn't sacrifice her household. She doesn't go out and work all day and then come home and eat fast food and go to bed. No, she gets up before the sun comes up. She gets the house in order. She makes, every, makes sure everybody has something good to eat, makes sure everybody's clothed. Then she goes out during the day and takes things to vendors for them to sell for her. She doesn't set up shop and do it. She takes it to them to do for her. And on the way home, she sees a field and says, that would be a really good investment for my family. She does it. And you know what happens? Her children and her husband praise her in the gates. Ladies, you're not to eat the bread of idleness. You are not to be lazy. Being a worker of the home does not mean you get to sit around all day. But it does mean that you also are not a busybody who just rips and runs all the time and you're never home. Both are called sin. 1 Timothy 5.13. Ladies, if your standard is the ideal elder of Titus 1, then you too can bring reproach upon Christ by having your home out of order. God has designed things for a reason because he's God and you're not. If you want to be a good homemaker, then learn. If you don't know how to decorate, then learn from somebody who does. If you have trouble disciplining your kids, then, then ask someone who you know is good at it. Men, women, everyone. All of this is applicable to us, is it not? Don't get caught up in the particulars for a minute. Get caught up in the big picture here. We are meant to build one another up and fulfill our roles as God's people, and we are not called to do it alone. We need one another. Ladies, I want you to hear me this last time in love. You were made for beauty. 
because the bride of Christ, his church, is deemed beautiful in Revelation. I want each of you ladies to be beautiful and godly because godliness and beauty go together. May you ladies and men by extension take what you've heard today and go to the scriptures in prayer and in fear and trembling and become a woman of wisdom and a man of wisdom. But know this, you can apply none of this to your life unless you have the true life of Christ. Repent of your sins, follow Christ, be saved, each one of you, and be children of Christ. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.